podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to your Goal of the Month podcast. Um, Oh, hang on. No, actually, not quite that, but it almost will be. Yet November is here. October's done. Another month out the way, which means it's time for the Res Review audio magazine. Of course, it's your your first place, your one-stop shop and all that stuff for uh, all things Liverpool Football Club. Right here on Anfield Index with myself, Andy Wales, and of course, my my cohort, my core co-host, my audio tag team partner, all of those many different things. It's the man of a million podcasts. It's Guy Drinkle. Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't deserve such an intro. I mean, people probably say, oh, sick, I always like be sick of, people be sick of hearing me now, but at least this one, this one's a bit different to talking about every bloody game. Get to talk about, about, 800 goals, some interesting performances. <laughs> I can actually blag my way through the academy bit because I saw some of them this month. It's a, good, it's, a, it's a good month, apart from one game. It is a good month. It is a good month. And it's, yeah, like I meant, you know, it is, it's the Oxlade Chamberlain uh, Goal of the Month competition. Um, a little bit of hint <laughs> in there. He kind of um, decided to have his own little uh, thing going there. But there's there's so much so much to talk about, guy. Um, obviously, all of the the games through October, Champions League, uh, League Cup, the league, the the Premier League, where we still sit top. Um, we've got our Player of the Month comp- uh, a Player of the Month award, even uh, with our Twitter poll helping in for that one, and also the Goal of the Month Twitter poll uh, contributions to that. Um, some academy updates from Guy, which we'll. Obviously, great opportunity to talk about the performances of some of the youngsters against Arsenal in the League Cup. Um, we've got a, a, a fun either-or game for you, Guy, coming up. Uh, we're going to do some of the cracking goals uh, of the re- of recent years for Liverpool for you to pick from. Obviously, the fantasy update and uh, our predictions, which, are a little spoiler alert, it's getting interesting at the top of the predictions leap between me and Guy. But anyway, let's start off with a bit of news then. Um, it's it's tale of injuries, isn't it? Uh, we've got Allison back, which is great, and it's lovely to see him back in goal. It's very reassuring. But Joe Matip out, and um, well, they're talking around about six months, which takes him r- roughly to Weeks. the end of November. Weeks. God. Weeks. Jesus. Sorry, oh. a Freudian slip <laughs> there. No, it's a Freudian slip <laughs> Because when we say a few weeks, that actually means a few months. Um, oh, but yeah, it's supposed to be six weeks, which takes him to the end of November. But um, you know what we're like with um, being honest with injuries? Is the concern there that it's um, not just the length of time he's supposed to be out, but if it's longer? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a concern how he got the injury, because obviously he had the injury at the end of last month then came back for the United game, didn't he? And it seemed that he re-agitated the original injury. I think that's how it went. I might be wrong in that. But that that's seemingly what it is. And when it's a reoccurrence of another injury, that's always a concern that he'll just keep doing that. And we've, we've seen that in the past with Matt. If once he gets a small injury, it kind of turns into something a bit longer term. And unfortunately, last year, that didn't happen. But is the rest of his time at Liverpool, that's kind of been the story. Um... So it is a massive concern because we've seen this season so far, we've had Lovren being Lovren. He had a really good game against Leicester and then he's been mixed, slashed with garbage in the other one, uh, in the other couple. Um, Gomez has been, mm, to be harsh, a dumpster fire this season so far. Um, it. So yeah, Matip. I mean, it's pre- it's the one concern when you've got either you've got injury prone players or you've got purple patch players where they've got history of being bad, um, and then they go through a good spell and then all of a sudden they have a bad game. I'm not saying that was Matip. Um, he's obviously more of the other ways. He's had injury problems and seem to be reoccurring. But um, six weeks. Our well, each game's very important. But we've got Man City next week. 
Um, our current first choice centre back has a history of not being very good against Man City, which is always a concern. But yeah, it's um, it's it's not great. It's not great because I think we finally we're getting our settled back five back with Allison coming back, and then we finally settled on a centre back pair. And now now we're gonna have to let one of Lovren or Gomez settle, and then see what level they're up to. But hopefully it just settles down and whoever plays next to Van Dijk doesn't cost us in the next six weeks and we just kind of hope what they did, what Adrian did, I suppose. Yeah, and the other thing being, of course, we you, you look ahead to December and we've got a game sort of every 36 hours throughout the month mm. of December. So it's kind of, yeah, we've got a very packed schedule coming up over the next few months. So... Um, ideally, we'd have the full squad available if we can, or, or, or as close damn near to it. And and like you mentioned, it's it's going to be the importance of those stepping in and those rotating, those getting the opportunity to step up to the plate. And it's you know the the pressure's really on us because we're in a great position. And and I guess it just you know we we get nervous that we, uh, we you know things kind of slip off a bit because I think. What concerns me a little bit, Guy, and you know, we we'll get into this in a second. Is the actual getting through the month of October is, you know, results continue to be good, but underlying, scratching beneath the surface, there are there are a few issues. You know, performance haven't mm. always been that great. And okay, last year we didn't start brilliantly in terms of performances, and it did get better second half of the season. So, I guess the hope is that. You know, we've got this ability now where we can grind games out, we can win ugly, is that we, we can get through this period where we're not necessarily firing on all cylinders in all departments. And then, you know, we get to the point in the season where everything just seems to click into gear and, we, and you know, we stride forward and, and hopefully uh, walk away. Yeah, I think you're right with that. With There's always this, I think, obviously this season it's been a bit different because we won every game apart from the United one in the league. Um, but in 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 Klopp seasons, we always tend to click um, around what Halloween to Christmas, and then January and February we just turn into shit for some reason. Um, but uh, yeah, we we always seem to click like just like in the winter period um, or the early winter period, I should say. It's um, it, it's really promising that we can go hopefully go up another level to what we've played so far. Because as you mentioned, we we've as we've both mentioned, I should say, we've um, we've started off near perfectly, but there is a couple concerns there. I think every podcast everywhere, not just AI, every Liverpool podcast talks about the midfield and whether they're in form or not or whatever. Uh, we mentioned the injury problems there at centre-back. We know Lovren and Gomez like it. Well, not like an injury, but you get what I'm saying. They, they have injury problems themselves. Does that have a knock-on effect? Whether Fabinho has to play at centre back, which will obviously weaken the midfield. There's, there's quite not worries or concerns, but there's a couple of things that you just have to think about. And whether if they improve, then we will even be more invincible. And I'm not saying that as we'll go win every game remaining in the season, but the stronger we are, I mean, if we're getting better than we are now, we haven't lost a bloody game in the league. So if we get better than that, I mean, nice. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, let, let's start it then. <clears throat> October began with the four-three win over Salzburg, and I guess it kind of encapsulates that <clears throat> that thing about us this season. You know, moments of brilliance. That that opening half an hour was absolutely scintillating. Some fantastic football, beautiful stuff. We were just clicking into gear, scoring some lovely goals, and then we have a re- we get a bit sloppy, and then we start to have a shaky period, and we concede a few goals. They come back from 3-0 down to 3-3. But then we also see the other side of Liverpool and, and this this Liverpool under Klopp is that resilience that we you know we're not just gonna lay down and, and break you're gonna break us. We're gonna come back, we're gonna dust ourselves down and come back and, and, and hit you again. And we end up winning four three. So it's it, it was a, a funny kind of game in that way, I thought. Yeah, it really was. It really was. We uh, we did the review on um, your other champion on the Champions League podcast, didn't we? And it was we, we mentioned all the uh, all the things you just said there. We under Klopp, this is just a a new transformation we've had. We've 
we've been the mad team and now we're turning into the resilient freak who's just don't know how to die don't know how to pretty much die in a game we even saw that our under 18s and 23s know how to do that in the uh, in the arsenal game that we'll obviously talk about in a sec um but no th- this game was it was just very strange from it's not something you would expect i mentioned resilient there i mean the spell between like the last five minutes of the first half until about the 60 minute mark to when they got their third goal. It was literally an implosion. It's something that we saw early Klopp, late Rogers, well, all of Rogers. Um, it, it's a team implosion. It's just not something you'd expect from this Liverpool team, but it sure as hell what we did. Um, we were just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Overconfident, lackadaisical. We just kind of thought, I think we just thought we had it won at 3 0 and just let them back in. I think uh, we criticised Henderson uh, and the rest of the midfield is probably one of the only games that Fabinho wasn't his best at. Um, and the defence, I think this is, this is uh, probably the game Gomez lost his third choice centre back um, spot, isn't it? Because he, he just, he was a bit of a. I think it was a bit overblown, but he, well, he certainly wasn't good. Um, Van Dijk wasn't good. It, it it was just a very, very strange game, this one. Yeah. But we got the win, which is the most important thing, but 4-3 when you're 3-0 up is never a good look, is it? No, we can't, this kind of... Uh, I guess it's a trend that kind of continues as well, that run by the seats of, uh, seat of your pants. Um, against Leicester next up, you know, we win the game 2-1. It's, it's a late penalty that... You know, that ultimately decides it. Not really the to- you know, the the tale of the game. The the narrative being, oh yeah, we were fortunate and it took that and all the rest of it. But Leicester had two shots on goal and they scored from one of them. They that you know, they had for me, they had a good ten five, ten minute period in the first half, they had a good five, ten minutes in the second half. Other than that, it was a dominant performance. The real thing for me is it's uh, us being wasteful in front of goal, not taking enough of our chances because this game really should have been over by half time. It this was such a strange game. I think there is a comparison with the Salzburg game there, but we, this this performance was like it was so complete. Apart from us, Scott, we should have really scored three or four. That was the only problem. We Leicester. With the disappointing way Man City have been, Leicester have probably been the second most impressive team in the league. I think it's fair to say because obviously they're overachieving, whereas Man City have already lost two games. Um, so the way we just took Leicester and pretty much put them back in their place, I thought, in the performance, I think the anal- um, the analysis and analytics and all that stuff that obviously the UP guys and many people do on Twitter, it's shown that. Um but no, we just we just seemingly couldn't put this game to bed anyway. And it, the first half, as you mentioned, they had a little bit of a spell, but nothing too too much to worry about. And the front three in this game, this was probably one of the best games for the front three, which they haven't been all at the same time on the firing best. But Milner, not Milner, uh, opposite end of the spectrum there, Mane, although Milner was good in this game, I should say, um, Mane, uh, Salah, and Firmino—they—they—them three just seem just linked up almost seamlessly in this game, and I thought this would be a game for to um, platform from, because it it was that impressive from them three, apart from actually putting the bloody ball in the net, and it it just well obviously Salah missed the next game, which didn't help, um, but yeah, um, it was such a strange game. We should have won it comfortably. And ultimately, end we needed a penalty that was a hundred percent a penalty. Um, so salty Leicester fans and other fans can get in the bin. Um, but yeah, it it was an impressive performance, but not an impressive result, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. And on the penalty, yeah, totally agree. Oh, okay, Mane does make an absolute meal of it, but the fact of the matter is, even with VAR, please place still have to go down in order to get a foul unfortunately so yeah it was a penalty so yeah suck on that um <laughs> we, we then had the uh the international break and as we spoke about last month but this was my concern going into the united fixture that us straight after an international break we, we just don't seem to be quite right we always need a game to kind of get that international break out of our system before we can get back to normality again and 
this game against United, it was just just like it was earlier in in the year towards the end of last season. It was just an absolute steaming turd of a match. Oh, it was god awful, wasn't it? I think as soon as I think it was like the press conference before. Was this the one we did together on AI Pro Plus? I think it was, wasn't it? Um, I might be wrong in that. <laughs> that was felt so long ago, and the game added on an extra five years because it was that bad. Um, but as soon as Klopp said in his press conference, I don't know where all this stuff about Salah starting is coming from because he hasn't trained. It was like I think it, some most people or people who listen to the press conference just went, "What." <laughs> you what, mate? Um, because although Salah's not been at his best this season, I know he's got the numbers and stuff like that, and people say he's had his best start to a Liverpool career and stuff like that, but you just look at his performances, he's just not been the same. I think it's fair to say. And I think this game just shown once we're down one of the front three, it just kind of ov- obviously limits our chances. And it shows the gap between... I know Riki's a freak and he scores all league goals, especially in cup competitions. Um, but the level in quality is just... It's just quite huge. Um, and once once you add in that Bobby had a bit of a stinker in this game, it just really, really limits your chances. Because I think most people would agree if two of the front three are playing well, there's a very, very, very high chance that we're going to win the game. When there's only three of... When there's only two of them and one of them's having a bit of a stinker. It just kind of makes us go from best team in the country by a mile to, oh dear, it's going to be one of them days. And it turned out to be one of them days, didn't it? Because the midfield was a mess. Um, Fabinho had a shit half and a good half. Ginny had a shit, a good half and a shit half. Um, Henderson was a mess. Um Fullbacks couldn't get into the game at all until it opened up in the last 10-15 minutes and um, Mane was the only one really trying to do out up front. It, it was, it, it really, I mean, Lallana scored a fucking goal. <laughs> so, you know, that sums, yeah, that sums exactly. up that game. It was, <laughs> exactly, yeah. it was turgid. We played football for about the last 10 minutes and that was it. Yeah, th- I think the most positive thing I can say about the game is we didn't lose. You know, because that mm. would have been even more unbearable than actually dropping points against that shower of shite because they, yeah. they're not a good team. Uh, and all this crap about uh, Solskjaer, you know, tactically doing this and what a brilliant game plan and all the rest of it. Nah, not having it. Anyway, next up was uh, Genk, away from home in the Champions League. Um, coming into this, you know, it been so long since we'd actually uh, won away from home in the Champions League in, in the group stages. Uh, but we win the game 4-1, uh, which the narrative that you were getting from from watching the game, it was totally different to the scoreline because I think, to be honest, for me, the scoreline pretty much reflected what I actually saw on the pitch. Mm. If you if you actually had the offsides given <laughs> as offsides uh, and not, you know, waiting around. Oh yeah, I know he's, I know he's like five yards offside, but I'll wait till uh, the play stops before we go to VAR just to confirm that that player over there in the distance was offside. Um, yeah, they had some chances, but and and BT loved talking it up, but yeah, they were all offside. So r- reality, it, it was quite a dominant performance, and and also, you know, we we got to see. A midfielder Fabinho Cater and Oxley Chamberlain, which was interesting. Certainly on the ball, it was it was very interesting. Um, it's it's a it's a dominant win, I thought. Other than obviously a couple of moments. Um, what what did you make of it? No, I'd, I'd agree with you. It was um, it was very interesting. I agree. We we battered them really. Let's be honest. I agree. I mean. Um, I can't remember, I think it's Ito or Ito, however you pronounce it. He was offside about 700 times, and that is not hyperbole. That might actually be the right number. Um, and people would, uh, I think, it, I distinctively remember Martin Keown's name for some reason. I imagine it was him because he tends to chat a bit of shit. Um, going on about how. Yes, this was the same guy who yes. was uh, saying, sorry, it was the same guy who was saying, um, I still haven't asked me to be one of their scouts for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there you go giggle, in a nutshell mate yeah. yeah there's a reason for that mate because probably have Ryan Shaw cross at centre back <laughs> and Ashley Williams um, which probably still be better to be fair to, be fair to him but not much um, but yeah it's 
uh, it, it, the perception from the uh, from the pundits, it, it was just simply wrong. And I know people, well, everyone, I imagine 99.9% people will be Liverpool fans listening to this. And if you're not, you're obviously in a car or something with someone. Hello. Um, it's... We we dominated this game, and yeah, you're right. The offside just give a full a false perception, and fair enough, it limits referees doing dumb shit, which is the whole point of VAR. But it can it can modify perception. Obviously, I think most people would agree European leagues are using VAR a lot better than um the Premier League is. Um, but yeah, it, it just it it does lead to a different narrative, doesn't it? But in terms of our performances, I mean, we, we you joked at the start of the season, at uh, start of the season, start of this podcast, um, that th- this would be the Ox goal of the goal of the month show, and I mean, his first one was decent. I mean, it took a bit of a deflection, but it was decent. Nothing else happened in that first half. We just kind of controlled, bit a bit slowed down, and then oh my, he scored one of the dirtiest goals I've ever seen. <laughs> See, <laughs> and outside the boot from there, top bins. Oh my, oh, Jesus Christ, it was just an absolute disgusting goal. It really was. And the thing is, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just dogs. I mean, there was, there was a few lovely goals in that game. I mean, there was some, there were some cracking goals in the Salzburg game as well. You know, mm. it seems cup competitions this month. Yeah, we're just going to put a bit of sauce on it. I, I mean, I'm all for that. I mean, the Club World Cup is going to be fancy. <laughs> so. I want to see Allison score in the Club World Cup. Oh, God. I was kind Get of annoyed against Spurs that he didn't launch it because that man can kick a ball 80 yards. I'm telling you, he can kick the ball without it touching the ground for 80 yards. So mm. I was a bit annoyed that he didn't decide to hoof it when Gazaniga mm. was was up there for a corner in, in the last minute of added on time. But anyway, we'll get to that. If we were Sorry, t- if we were two up, he would have hundred <laughs> um, percent. But professional and all that. But yeah, Genk. Um, it was just a strange game with different perceptions. But ultimately, I mean, the story coming away from it was that midfield, and that's why the. Um, discussion kind of continued on to the Spurs game about was going back to the ball I'm going to call it the boring midfield because it is a bit boring it's a bit boring and safe isn't it let's be fair um but yeah in this game game I thought Ox was obviously first half he scored a goal then didn't do much else and was a bit quiet and then second half he was much more involved scored a disgusting goal but his involvement was a lot higher. I thought Naby was pretty good throughout. I don't know where the perception came that he was lazy and lethargic came afterwards. Um, well, I do. I can hint where it comes from, but let's not get into that now. Um, it's and then Fabinho is obviously always good because he is. Um, but no, I thought that midfield really worked well, especially in the second half. Um, and it's just kind of getting obviously ganked a lot easier game than, well, maybe not this season, but Spurs, the game that followed it would probably be a more difficult test, which turned out to be. Um, and maybe you can see why Klopp bring, brings back his dependable midfield in. But um, no, I thought this was very promising from Ox and Naby, and that was probably the story I took away from this game, is, is them two especially. And unfortunately, after Arsenal, and I'm jumping ahead of game here, but after Arsenal... Um, the narrative change with Naby. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure why it exploded. Um, after the after the Arsenal game, it was pretty much a nothing game. Nobody played too well, but seemingly people have given up on Naby after that game, and I don't really see why because he was he was a manager man of the match a week ago, in my opinion. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a weird one. I, I thought Naby was really good on the ball versus Genk. Um, off the ball, I, I've seen like, I've seen him for the last few years. And I know he's got a little bit more. Normally, he's mm-hmm. got a bit more zip about him in in him actually covering the ground, you know, to to press and to to backtrack and whatnot and, and get himself back. And I do think he's he he hasn't quite got that zip, but I think that's just about him getting his full fitness and sharpness back. That's all that is. In terms of his on the ball stuff, I, I was really impressed, and I think we saw glimpses of, of what we'll get from him. And, and I do think you know, just bit by bit, he's gonna he's gonna come back. And and we're gonna we are gonna see him, but anyway. So on to Spurs then. So it finishes two one again versus Spurs. Um, weird start because they they were you know Sky were creaming themselves over it 
how you know Harry Kane, what a finish, uh, what positioning, blah 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 blah. How you know he he beat Van Dyke to the ball and all the rest of this. You know, look, it's a freak goal. It takes a freak deflection and just happens to come off the inside of the poster where he was. It's for me, it's just pure good fortune. And yeah, he finishes it, but it, it's a freak goal. But from there on in, they sat back. Almost, it's almost kind of the reverse of the Champions League final, where we get the the you know the the early goal and then and then we're in control. You know, we kind of sit back and we're in control of the game. This is them sitting back, but we're in control of it. It's it's the difference between the two sides. And I, I thought this game for me was was a absolutely tremendous performance from uh, from Trent on on the ball out on that right hand side. Yeah, oh god, hi. It, it's weird. I don't want to criticize Mane for getting man of the match, but how did he get man of the match from Sky? <laughs> Trent was a freak, Fabinho was a freak, and they didn't even get a mention on on the day. And no, but I mean Mane was very good. Oh god, yeah, Mane absolutely. Good. Absolutely. But, yeah, Fabinho was was excellent and but Trent I, I just thought he, he was absolutely sublime on the ball and mm. not just crossing it, you know, just Everything on the ball, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, it, it really was. It, it really was. I mean, on Red Don't Hurt, I give Fabinho um, man of the match just because I thought he was... I, I love him. <laughs> but I also love Trent, so it was a tough one to be in. But yeah, it was... After the freak goal and then the Son chance where Lovren forgot how to defend... Um, that was it from them, really. Uh, and you're right; it, it does draw parallels from from the Champions League final. Apart from, I think we were obviously a lot more in control of the Champions League final, whereas them, they were just kind of, "Oh my God, we're winning at Anfield! Get back!" <laughs> um, and we just pinned them in for ages and ages and ages. And I mean, it was a very good finish by Henderson. I mean. Can you say it's lucky? I mean, Henderson scoring it, what is his first of Anfield goal in four or five years or whatever it is? Maybe the breakthrough was lucky, but in, it might draw, it probably draws similarities with the Leicester game. I think we were more dominant in the Leicester game, but the performance was good. The result didn't do it justice, really. I thought we absolutely smashed them. I think Salah was, I mean, he was constantly fouled and the ref just simply didn't give a shit. Um, but Salah was. Good on the day. Um, Bobby was improved. Manes, well, Manes just keeps playing really, really well, which is great. Um, the midfield, Fabinho, as I mentioned, was was pure love. Henderson had a mixed day, but getting a goal, it, it's something that we need need from him. Uh, so that's good. Ginny had a Ginny day, and but the full the fullbacks were excellent. I mean, Trent is a how how is he twenty one and not good. It's just stupid. Like he's twenty one, and we. Do, I just talked about this on AI Pro Plus. Um, the if he plays against Villa, which please please do, um, it'll be his hundredth appearance for the club. He's twenty one, and he's the best right back in the country by a mile. The only other one I could think of is Joshua Kimmich, who's a midfielder half the time nowadays. So uh, yeah, only for Germany in midfield. Is he, every, is he but Bayern, yeah, he plays right back. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he's the best right back in the country by a mile, and possibly the best country uh, right back in the world. And he's twenty one. He's going mm. to get better. Yeah, that's not that is. I, I think I think scary. The, yeah, I think in the lead up to that Spurs goal, yeah, he could have done a bit better with Son in the way he shows him. And there are things in his game in terms of his defending that he still needs to work on and still needs to get better at. But like you say, he's twenty one years old. You know, name me a center, uh, name me a fullback who who was defensively perfect, and you you know had all the facets of the game mastered at the age of twenty one. He, you know, he can do all those things. But whilst there, you you know, other fullbacks started off as defenders, and you know maybe were better than him at the defensive side of it early on. They had to learn how to get better at the adding the forward play, you know, and becoming a more complete fullback. Mm. This guy already has, you know, the the thirty five year old veteran who's learned every trick in the book on on attacking play, uh, and and more and more besides. Uh, 
in terms of his on the ball. I just think, yeah, he, he's going to get better and better and better. And I think year on year, his improvements are, are there to see in defensively. And, and yeah, we, we've, oh, it's, it's, we're blessed to have this player. United fans way. think Juan Basaka's better. I, I, how? Well, like, I know there's club well, biases and stuff, but he can't, like, he does a lot of shithouse tackles, but that's because he's in a shit team. If Juan Basaka was in our team, he's pretty much be Klein. <laughs> He'd be fucked off as yeah. much as Klein was. It's like, and Chelsea fans bring up Reese James. He can't even get past Aspilquetta, who was 110 years old and broken. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we won't even worry about them. Uh, and one thing you mentioned, the referee, I, I totally forgot about that. Uh, Martin Atkinson refereeing performance against oh. United. Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, this month can't go by with, without uh, remembering just how atrocious he was that day. He was utterly, utterly terrible. But anyway, right, just to wrap things up game-wise then, we finished the month off uh, midweek with the, um, the Caramboo... Well, what camembert creme brulee whatever the hell cup it is i mean you so went down the a different cup. route there <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the roulette the roulette um energy drink coffee whatever god knows something league cup um right the game finished 5-5 it was immense fun i really really enjoyed it because it's a competition i'm not too fussed about and obviously loads of kids played so it's it's a free hit and it was pure entertainment some of the defending was was pretty woeful from both teams at times but there was also some cracking goals not just for us as well um it was it was a lot of fun to watch 5-5 and then you know that they also showed that uh, that same spirit that the first team have in terms of getting that late that late goal and then we go to penalties and these young lads showed that they've got the bottle and we beat them 5-4 on penalties. And this is an Arsenal team that had considerably more um, first team and top level experience within their ranks than us. So, Two World uh, Cup winners in their team. Yeah. Two. It was, it, was, it was just a lot, of, a lot of fun. It was really enjoyable game of football to watch. It was mad, but it was fun. It, it really was. Like, I... Klopp definitely wanted to lose this game. He, he he's literally on the verge of coming out and saying, "I hate the League Cup and I want it to die." <laughs> but I mean, it, you could just see at the end he really wanted to win that penalty shootout because we we deserved it. Um, I mean, the game was it was amazing and awful at the same time at how bad defensively both teams are. Fortunately, we're playing seventeen-year-olds and a midfielder at left back who's old uh, and an out of form Gomez they're playing what was their first choice left back a World Cup winning centre back um, their young future prospect at centre well, you could probably say the same as Gomez there to be fair and their first choice right back <laughs> it's, it's fucking awful um, and they actually had a also ball. their best midfielder yes they had Lucas a, Pereira who strangely mm. doesn't get in their first choice Premier League mm. team, which is a bit weird, you know. Yep. But team lads in there have got plenty of experience. I was like Mesut Özil in there, mm. you know. Yeah, he there was, was a lot more experience. Fair. Yeah, he was very good. And yeah, the Arsenal got their own problems, and I couldn't care less about them. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was was certainly lots of fun. And, and in terms of the youngsters, once we get to the fantasy section, the uh, fantasy, the academy section, obviously we'll get to talk about them. But um, yeah. Another Origi moment, you know, mm. gets to have a late goal. D- he is the weird... No, I, I said it earlier with Ginny, he's a weird player, but Origi is the weirdest, most bestest freak player I've ever seen. Like, he can be the worst player in the world and then does mad shit like that. It's amazing. Like, if he, start, <laughs> if he starts against... Um, I forgot, Aston Villa, uh, we're recording this on the Friday, um, before that, if he started against Aston Villa, I will be worried out my skin. Like, he could have, like, a 2 out of 10 and then score a worldie. It's, it's just what he is. Like, if he comes off the bench, I mean, just RIP the other team, because he's a freak, he'll yeah. score. 
If it's a cup game, he goes from donkey yeah. to goat in like in like two he, minutes. He goes from he goes it's from insane, Sol- isn't it? He goes from Solanke to Prime Ronaldo. It's like what the hell? It's just an absolute freak. <laughs> yeah, oh, we God. do. We absolutely love him for it. We love him for it. We do. He's a cult hero, and he's earned that status. And he should enjoy it. Absolutely Absolutely. should enjoy it because he's earned it. So, yeah, a really interesting month. Look, all in all, Premier League, we still sit top of the Premier League. We're in a good position in the Champions League. Yeah, we're through to the next round of the League Cup, whenever the hell that might be. Perhaps we'll play it on Christmas Day. Uh, who knows? Perhaps we'll just bin it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows? Most likely. Happen. Yeah, um, perhaps even, you know, why don't they just like have it in Qatar or whether the the hell that stupid World Club, Villa, Club thing is? Villa can come um, over. <laughs> yeah, and then we can play the Villa game and then we can, or we can play the Villa game straight after we do the other one or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, whatever anyway right award section time um first up player of the month guy and i won't give you the twitter poll result i'll i'll let you um come up with your your nomination for the october player of the month for liverpool fabinho okay <laughs> the twitter poll is fabinho that's <laughs> 88% Fabinho and Mane did get a little bit of a mention and I do think he deserves a little bit of an honourable mention because I do think he's had some really good performances through the month but yeah Fabinho who at times has run the midfield on his own that's consecutive unfortunately he yeah he's been uh, he's been rather brilliant I think Um, that's he's got consecutive months two years in a row now I think Gomez and him did it for me last year and now he's already in, yeah. and we're already three months in. So yes, well, he's, a good a good sign for him was my youngest son wanting um, Fabinho's name and number on the back of his um, new home shirt in the summer. And that's a defensive midfield. <laughs> yeah, well, it, and the year before that, it was it was Virgil. So you know, it, it tends to, and before that, it was Salah. So whoever he decides to pick tends to be kind of like the player of the season. So yeah. Whoever he decides at the end of this season, get your money on <laughs> tell him the gonna, next year to be player of the season. <laughs> tell him we're going to Henderson yeah. <laughs> top. It'll be fun. <laughs> Vandenberg. Anyway. <laughs> right, so, yeah, Fabinho gets gets my vote too. Full house for Fabinho. Absolutely deserved. He's been tremendous. Goal of the month. Now, this is a little bit more tricky in that there are so many contenders. Um, Mane's goal versus Salzburg, I I loved that. I thought it was great. Mm. Andy Robertson's goal against Salzburg, you know, the, starting it off and then ending up, you know, the fullback to fullback and him scoring. Uh, Salah's goal against Genk, I, I thought that was a lovely one. Uh, we've also got uh, the, the goal... Uh, Mane scored against Genk, where the, all all of the front three linked up. Lovely mm. little play, you know. There's just been some lovely, lovely goals throughout the month, but two kind of stood out. And I and I guess I gave um, the spoiler alert to that when we uh, said that this was the the Alex the Alex Oxlade Chamberlain goal of the month competition. So, um, without further ado, which, which one have you gone for? Outside the boot is. It, it's too much. It has to be that one. It, it was a filthy... Like, I love a volley, and it dipped, but outside the boot and made it look that easy, it's filthy. It has to, like... Like, I'm shit at football, and I... like Even I could, like, fluke at, like, a volley. Outside the boot, top bins? Nah. I could play football every day, and I'd probably not even get near the goal. That's a disgusting yeah. goal. I'm sure if you go onto those those um, websites, you could probably find a video of that goal. Oh, be too explicit for that. <laughs> Adult warning, Oxley Chamberlain. This goal. <laughs> right now, Twitter poll. It was a little bit split. Um, his goal versus Genk, your your one got sixty five percent, but his goal against Arsenal got twenty nine percent. So between them, uh, what's so yeah, he was kind of holding his own competition. But seeing as you've gone for the Genk one and the Twitter 
uh, our Twitter contributors. Thank you very much for everyone who's contributed, by the way. I'm going to go for that, uh, the one versus Arsenal, just purely because I love a good thunder bastard. And that was, we were just clapping and cheering, <laughs> watching. I'm just like, whoa, that was, that was a beauty. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that goal. Oh, God, I, God, I, I mean, we don't even mention the Origi sure... ones. <laughs> the Origi <laughs> oh, ones. Yeah, yeah, the Origi ones. I'm sure the groundsman was thinking, you're going to break my net, son. Will you stop me? You're going to break my net. <laughs> Not cheat them, son. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I've got to charge you for them. Yeah. Oh, just what a month of goals. What a month of goals. What a month of cup goals. But, uh, yeah, take a bow, Alex uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, between myself and Guy, yeah, you've won it anyway, uh, whether it be the one versus Genk or the one versus Arsenal. Absolutely tremendous, filthy, fantastic, fantabulous goals. So, uh, yeah, uh, Fabinho and the Ox getting our Player of the Month and Goal of the Month uh, awards for October. So, moving swiftly on, a guy to the Academy. Uh, do you want to have a run through the results before we uh, get on to a few of those young players that we saw perform so well against Arsenal? Yep, absolutely. Um... Do, do, do. I'm on the wrong tab. Here we go, boys. Flash scores being dodgy. <laughs> right. Uh, under 23s, I shall start with. Um, we had a, a cup game against Wigan, which we won 3 2. Um, and then we beat Wolves 4 3 and drew 0 0 with Blackburn. Um, under 19s, this is European stuff. Um, we beat Salzburg 4-2, so we just about outdid the uh, seniors there. Um, and we beat Genk 2-0. Um, so positives there. And under 18s... Two seconds, it's loading. Do, do, do. Right, we had a 6-1 win over Everton. <laughs> uh, yeah, we won the mini derby just a bit. Um... And we beat Newcastle 3-0. So, yeah, not too shabby for the for the uh, younglings. Um, uh, Star Wars reference there. Doesn't end, doesn't end brightly for them. I was just going <laughs> to say, are they, are they training for the Jedi? <laughs> yes. Um, but, no, it seems to have been a, a, a good month all round for the, for the youngsters. Um, and I, I, that's why my thing was on the wrong tabs. I was seeing who scored and stuff like that, and I was looking at some of the stats. And it looks like, especially for the well, for the under twenty three, because that's where he's playing. It looks like Curtis Jones is kind of leading the the goal scoring charts and performances. And I think he's actually captain now. And obviously, we're going to talk about the Arsenal game. But I thought coming what off a the Arsenal game, segue. yeah, professional. What a lovely segue! Professional. You think we actually uh, yes. planned these things out? Yeah. No, I thought about that on the spot. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Curtis Jones, I mean, he's seemingly leading the under-23s in one way. And just to top it off, what an impact he made off the bench. I mean, he should have started. And I think that well, impact that... afterwards confirmed I, Actually, you know what? It's almost better that he came on and did that mm. rather than start and maybe got mixed up in, in you know the whole game analysis. Because the impact, wow, you know, comes on, gets a couple of assists and just really takes the, the game by the scruff of the neck. I was really, really impressed. Yeah, me, me as well. Me, me as well. He's um, he, he's, a weird, he's a weird one because I think he was kind of, not lost in the shuffle, but I think people were thinking, okay, where, where's he going to fit in? Because he's, he's seemingly moving around from central midfielder to winger. Is this going to be another Ben Woodburn where we're pissing about with his position and stuff like that? And he seemingly, I mean, I need to start, I, I say this every podcast, I need to watch through the 23s and under 18s a bit more, but just looking at his numbers, he, I think he's made the mo joint most appearances and he's got the most goals. And to come on, in, as we mentioned, it's it's a weakened Arsenal team, but it's not a weak Arsenal team. Like that is, as we mentioned, that's got World Cup winners. I think everyone in there's got a Premier League minute. Maybe not this season with Mustafi, but he's definitely played. He's obviously played a lot of Premier League stuff. All of them have played Premier League minutes, and this kid came on, and he's t he's pretty much took the piss and then scored the winning penalty as well. It's 
it, it's just it's just it's just hugely impressive. And I mean, I think Harvey Elliott had a spot on the bench against Leicester in one of the games. I, I think Curtis Jones needs to be getting getting Premier League minutes. Like, not saying he should be starting game, but if if there's spot spare on the bench, I think he should be the first on the uh, first in line out of the academy for him. Yeah, I, I I was impressed. For me, the 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 talent's always been there. We always knew he had talent, but what struck me was there's been like a, a step up in in almost like his authority and his confidence and a bit of maturity on the ball because he was he was making good decisions and he you know his footwork was really really good. So I, I was super super impressed. Uh, and for him to score the the winning penalty, I think was very very apt. Uh, and really, just kind of summed the whole game up for me. It was uh, his his whole performance. I, I thought he, he made such a positive difference. Uh, what about some of the other players then, a guy? Because I thought Brewster had a bit of a quiet first half, um, al- almost a bit too much, you know, neat little touches here and there. But second half, maybe uh, maybe Klopp just really got into him at half time about making himself be felt around, you know, making himself much more of a presence around that defence because he looked like he really upped upped his game he was a lot more physical he was charging about really making himself a, a problem for the for the center backs and getting about them and, and i think he with along with that he got himself a lot more involved in that second half yeah i think that was the biggest criticism that came after the mk don's game as well i think brewster was obviously the one he, he was the one mentioned to have a spot in the squad because obviously we never replaced Sturridge. Um, and obviously part of his contract um, discussions was about first-team opportunities. Obviously not had them in Premier League minutes just yet. But after that MK Dons game, you're thinking, mm, is he ready? I mean, I don't think he did loads in this game to kind of dispel that either, but you're dead on. I think first half he was completely anonymous, and I know we kind of, it's not hard to cause Arsenal to chaos in the back line, um, but he, he can't. I think he kind of made it easier for him. And then I, I think you're right there. I think in second half it was just get about them. You might not be getting most involved, but you're just going to put them off and their shit. So why not? It's going to cause chaos for them, and he did. It, it, it opened the game up for the rest of them. And if Brewster's going to make it here and start Premier League games and stuff like, he's going to have to do more than that. But it's it's a better baseline, like. If we use previous players, I mean, it's what players like Danny Ings and stuff used to do. If you if you're not the best, at least work your ass off and put people off. If that's a baseline, then Brewster can show his quality that he obviously has. I mean, he's obviously had big injuries and stuff like that, which may affect him. But just use use that as a baseline, and you'll at least be a Premier League player. And if you make it a Liverpool, so be. It. If not, you'll be a Premier League player. So yeah. Better than MK Dons, but still a lot more to show for me from Brewster. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned Harvey Elliott again. I'm impressed with with just how mature he is and his confidence on the ball. You know, he looks, he really does look a big talent. But what about uh, the young lad Williams at right mm. back? His first ever game. Well, what what did you make of him? Because um, he, he he caught my attention. Yeah, I thought he had a. I think people blew it out of. Proportion. Well, it's weird. If you look at it, it's just a it's a player. But when you say when you think it's a seventeen year old making his debut, like this is not your first choice young right back because that is Hoover, obviously, who is with the uh, Dutch team or under seventeen team, um, and he's came on or started, I should say, and didn't look out of place. And I think that's one of the best things you can say about youngsters. They don't look out of place because he was up against um, Saka, who obviously he's made a few Premier League appearances this season. Probably this is his breakthrough season. So he's not up against like, say if Pepe was playing or something like that. Um, So he's up against someone who's had Premier League minutes and he didn't look out of place. Uh, He obviously got the assist for Origi's overhead bicycle kick thing. Um, Grew into the game, I think. I think at the start he wasn't really getting forward much, but I think once the game kind of just went, oh, okay, this is this is the League Cup, nobody cares, it's going to be mental. I think he kind of got forward a lot more. And defensively, he was. Fa- I think he was fine. He he, he tackled quite well. Um, I can't 
remember any of the goals being his fault. Obviously, he had Gomez to his left, who wasn't playing too well. Lallana was in front of the defence, not a defensive midfielder. And Elliot was... Yeah, I never want to see that again anyway. Yes, no. Unless we're trying to lose it. (laughs) I never want to see that again anyway. No, no. It didn't really really help the young players in the defence, did it? No, no, God, no. God, God, no. <laughs> Didn't help me either. Um, and obviously, Elliot was at fault for one of the goals where he passed it infield. So I, I can't remember Nico being mm, at yeah. fault for anything. But I mean, I, when I watched the academy a bit more, I, I think I saw one of the few games Nico broke through in the under-18s. And I think he was like, I think he was 15 when he first played there. And that obviously, that obviously catches your eye when someone that young plays in that. So, yeah. It's not that, that's I'm a not, huge thing for a yeah, player. Yeah, Let yeah. me tell you, as a coach of a of a youth team, it's a huge thing for a player to be playing with players, um, you know, two and three years older than you. Mm. Even a year older than you, it's it's a big thing. But certainly two and three years ahead of himself, that's you know that that's mm. that's a really yeah that's that's a really strong indicator. Absolutely, and I mean, I'm not saying like he should be part of uh, part of the squad or anything like that, but I mean. If we actually do play against Aston Villa and say Hoover's back by then, rather than, I mean, say if we have to play at the same time as the Club World Cup, I mean, it's not going to make a difference if we have Hoover at centre-back and Williams at right-back rather than having Gomez at centre-back and Hoover at right-back, is it? That was a lot of words there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, it's not going to make too much of a difference there. So, I mean, it's obviously very early to tell, but at 17, it's all promise there, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just kind of in summary that to summarise things, I'd say it, it's again it's encouraging that we've got all these young players mm. that are, are pushing and they look like they could play a part in in you know a bright future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean Vandenberg. I mean he came in not a huge reputation. He only had a big like reputation because we had signed nobody. <laughs> uh, that's why there was so much focus on him. I mean he wasn't any worse than Gomez. <laughs> so happy days for him but yeah you're absolutely right I mean we're probably missing our biggest youngster as well in Hoover that I mentioned so yeah it, they may not all make it at Liverpool but they all seemingly have a certain level of promise and that's great to see absolutely okay so moving on to our either or game now then oh, yes. so here we go then guy bit of fun for you I've picked out this this month we're going to do some um some quality goals from from recent times. Okay, we'll start with Daniel Sturridge versus Sevilla in the Europa League final, or the Benteke bicycle kick against Man United. Ooh. Oh, oh! And remembering that that Sturridge one was outside of the boot. Yeah, it's got to be that one, isn't it? Very topical. Yes. Very topical. I'll go Sturridge. So you go. And- you go on storage, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So Daniel Sturridge versus Sevilla or Jordan Henderson versus Chelsea? Sturridge. Yeah? Rather mm-hmm. than that 30-odd yard screamer. Yeah, that was an ordinary goal in this, I can tell. <laughs> okay, then. Daniel Sturridge versus Sevilla or Daniel Sturridge versus Chelsea? Oh... Remember that last oh, minute? Was it the last minute equaliser? Yeah, it was a wrong man. Oh, you're a bastard. Um, Sevilla. <laughs> really? Ooh. Oh, okay. no, we'll go with Sevilla. It doesn't matter. I like Sturridge. They're both, they're both yeah, lovely. go on then. Let's go Sevilla. They're both Daniel Sturridge. Yes. Okay, so Daniel Sturridge versus Sevilla or Mo Salah versus Chelsea last season. Oh, Severe. Oh, okay. Right. Daniel Sturridge versus Sevilla or Sadio Mane versus Bayern at the Allianz Arena. Is that the back heel one? The filthy, filthy goal where he did the Mm. turn and everything. It's got to be that. It's got to be the Mane one. That it's was, got to be Mane dis- filth. That was disgusting, that one. Okay, so we're going to finish off with a battle of filth. Sadio Mane versus Bayern at the Allianz Arena. 
or the Ox versus Genk in Genk? I'm going Ox. Yeah. That was discussed. I'm just glad you never said the Sturridge chip against West Brom. That was not getting top, that one. Um, but no, yeah, I'll go Ox. That was uh, that was too filthy. It really was. Oh, testament. That's testament to the levels of filth from that Ox goal. It is. Outside the oh. boat, hard to top. <laughs> yes. Okay, we started with outside of the boot and we ended with outside of the boot. So how about that? Some terrific goals along the way. And, and I know there's loads more, but yeah, basically for, for Guy, the, the narrative here is filth outdoes Thunderbastard. Yes, 100%. Yes. So on to, on to fantasy. Come on then, FPL, where are we? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Right, contributors, not me. Jay Reed, actually in the FPL pod, so listen to him, people. He is on 586 points. I am on 493. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Where are you, Andy? Where are you? Christ, you're catching up to me. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, you're two places behind me, which is not good. Not good at all. Um, Oh, I might have been doing a bit of catch-up because I, I had a bit of an iffy uh, couple of weeks. Mm, you are catching up. Um, and in Ooh, terms yeah. of the public league, uh, you, do, 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 who is top there? My eyesight's gone funny there. Um, oh, God. Valar Magulis. Fucking Game of Thrones name. <laughs> um, is top with... 609 points, so he's leading by two points. The person in second had a bad game week, unlucky. But yeah, well in. Well in. I won't butcher your name again. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's his team name, actually, and his name is NSQ. Um, congrats. It seems to be a, cur- a poison chalice at the minute, because everyone... Remember last season, someone won every, like, <laughs> nine of the ten months and then bottled yeah. it at the end. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> winning 37 game weeks yeah, and losing at the end did the Spurs right at the very end absolutely oh sorry about that so yeah mm. <clears throat> usual plug for the uh, the fancy Premier League pod then yep we're almost weekly now apart from international breaks for obvious reasons um, but yeah we, we, we're kind of getting more consistent on that I am getting worse at FPL the more we do pods I'm, pre- I'm blaming the other two for that um confusing me and stuff like that but yeah uh, we're kind of weekly with that but uh, in terms of players and stuff uh Salah's fell off a bit with his injury problems and stuff he's he's now down to fifth highest scorer in the game I think he was like second or something a couple of weeks ago Mane is actually overtaking him as well who's third highest scorer in the game um and Bobby is like a lot further down but near um I think Trent's the top near the top Defender? I don't know. Robertson. Robertson's third, Trent's fourth in, in the defenders. So, yeah, I mean, FPL wise, Liverpool aren't the asset they once were, but I think once we've, uh, as we mentioned, this is where we tend to explode in the season, and so I think we'll. We'll see our players on the rise soon, I reckon. Yeah, some some clean sheets will always help that. Um, so, time to finish off things then. Predictions. Uh, just to catch up on things then, the head to head. October. Leicester, uh, you went for 2-1. I went for 2-1. It finished 2-1, so we both got Woo. three points. Uh, Man United, you went for 3-1. Oh. I went for 1-1, and the game finished 1-1. Oh. So you've got zero points, and I got three. There's a rarity. Then Spurs, you went for 3-1. I went for 1-0, and it finished 2-1. So we got a point apiece. So that means you are on 14 points. And I am on 13 points. <laughs> it's never been so close. So there's a one point in it between us. So let's start things off then. Aston Villa, Saturday, the November the 7th, away, the 2nd, I should say, uh, away from home at Villa. What are you going to go for? With doubts about the midfield and if Fabinho will play, I think it'll be tighter than it should be. Um 2-1 to us. Yeah. I'm going 2-1 as well. Uh, going to be boring. Uh, the following weekend. Now, we, after that, we've got Genk at home in the Champions League. 
And then we've got Man City at home in the league. So uh, that weekend, Man City at home, what are you going to go for? If Fabinho plays, I'm going to go three, two O's. Right. And if he doesn't, I'll, right. I'll just cry in a corner. In my tradition of superstition, uh, especially against Man City when we play them, I did this a couple of years ago and it worked a treat. So I'm going to go for Man City to beat us 3-2 because that tends to mean that the result goes the opposite direction. So I'm going to say we lose our first game of the season against Man City. Taking one for the team. I like it, Andy. Yes. Unless we actually lose 3-2, well, so- then you can get, get in the bin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm then I'll be in trouble. Um, we've then got another international break like why do we have to have international breaks again like stop doing this please anyway straight after the international break i this is my concern Ugh, us after international breaks is not good away from home at palace oh they're a weird team they're seemingly better away from home so that might be better for us but we always have struggly games against Palace, don't we? Um oh, two all. Two all? Ooh. International breaks are just bastards. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go for us to beat them three two. So after that one, midweek game at home to Napoli and then to finish the month off, we're at home to Brighton on the 30th of November. So, uh, Brighton at home, what says you, Mr. Drinkle? 3 0. Very confident. I'm going to go 2 0. I'm going to go 2 0. So, nice. uh, yeah, things, uh, the, the pressure is um, increasing. And one thing to note, throughout October not a single clean sheet for us so um, it would be nice to to see them return in the uh, in the coming month depends on my hips back <laughs> <laughs> oh please no <laughs> oh <laughs> I was trying to forget about all that uh, uh, so anyway th- that's so that's October all done you know the way things are looking November wise I mean it's the, the overall is things things are positive. We're moving in the right direction, aren't we? But um, the, there's a, there's a hell of a lot to play for still, isn't there? Oh god, I yeah. Uh, I mean, even just in this, I mean, Man City games, it's just huge. And obviously, I mean, you can look at the games we drop points in, but then Man City games, we just didn't really turn up for the most part, did we? So no, well, it was nil nil last year. It was mm. it was. It was pretty crap. And they should have um, had like three penalties. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing. I mean, it's it, when you look at that, you, you know, the home game to Genk, we should beat them. If we can beat Napoli, that, that you know, that cements us into the next round of the, of the Champions League, really. You know, we're, we're, yeah. we've got that game at home to City. There's, there's other games in there. I, I mean, November, when you think about what's coming up in December, November could be a really pivotal month uh, as we, you know, maybe later in the season we look back and like last season you know we only got one point against Man City so you know this again this could be one of those things at the end of the season where we look back and November could turn out to be a pivotal month yeah in pretty much every every competition isn't it as well as you mentioned we we could as uh, that's a very good point against Napoli if we win there we not been off the Salzburg game because we'll obviously want to finish top or whatever but we, we don't have to rely on it heavily I mean we saw last season that Napoli game which was last of the uh, the group we were literally Alisson being someone else away from not being in the knockout ties weren't we so yeah uh, going in going into the Champions League last game with a game not as important it, it, it it's something I miss <laughs> yeah it, it certainly would be nice but Anyway, that's that's it from us. It's been an action-packed month. Um, some tremendous goals for us to, to talk about. That has been the theme of the show. Um, but that's it from myself and Guy. We've got to say a big, big thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in, listening, downloading the show. We do appreciate it. And we appreciate all of you for taking part in those Twitter polls and contributing towards the show. Uh, you are a part of it. 
And next time when we con when we uh, ravine uh, to uh, to do things again, we'll be getting all festive, guy. Oh God, no. <laughs> well, okay. So it'll be Santa Claus and Grinch. <laughs> yes, doing <laughs> doing the next edition. So, I love a Christmas song, but none of that bullshit. <laughs> So there you go. Anyway, look, until then, from myself and Guy, it's bye-bye now. Sports Social Podcast Network.